You're listening to Cinema Geekly Premium, premium podcast from premium people. Thanks for your support. The vote is currently two to one to fire you for cause. Someone's got to give. What are you going to do? Come on down, Chuck. Roll around in the dirt with me. Hey, Kim, I need you to call me as soon as you can. Tried and true, battle tested. You drink one, drink two, drink three Long Island iced teas. But your buddy's worse off and he throws you his car keys. Blue lights are blinking four o'clock in the morning. St. Trooper makes you wish that you'd never been born. Better call Saul, better call Saul. You want to tell the world you're in love with a girl named Fran? So you find an overpass and you say it with a spray paint can. Blue lights start a blink and those handcuffs click. You know who to call and you better call quick. Saul, Saul, you better call Saul. You'll fight for your rights when your back's to the wall. Stick it to the man, justice for all. You better call Saul. It's another episode of Better Talk Saul, Cinema Geekly's Better Call Saul podcast. I'm Anthony Lewis. I'm Glenn Beauvais. And we're going to cover a two-shot, a twofer of Saul this week, uh, episodes four and episodes five. Uh, Glenn, do you have a, a theory as to why episode five was titled the way it was? Because uh, uh, it was titled after a character who does appear in the show, but uh, for a very short amount of time and is never seen again. And I don't exactly... Usually the, the show, the titles tend to in, in some way relate to what's happening or is a big part of what's happening in the episode uh or at least is mentioning something that has something to do with a big element in the show and i don't feel like uh chuck's wife had much to do with this episode maybe it did a little bit i don't know we haven't gotten to that episode yet so let's talk about it when we get no, to they're just mad manning it just oh just confusion for the sake of confusion uh, their ads, like for next week's episode, it's uh, getting, it, is, it was very Mad Men esque. It's getting I, there. Yeah, I was like, uh, okay, it's all right. Usually not your guys' mo, but uh, let's start with season two, episode four, called "Gloves Off." Uh, Jimmy is brought in front of the Davis and Main partners. They are pissed at him for running his commercial without their consent. Cliff decides to give Jimmy, however, a second chance to redeem himself. He says that they did have the votes to fire him, but he believes in the second chance, so he's giving it uh, giving it to him. Uh, at Hamlin, Hamlin, McGill, Kim is brought in front of Howard and Chuck, and Howard chews out Kim over her failure to inform them about Jimmy's commercial. As a result, Kim is demoted to document review in the basement of the firm, and Jimmy goes to confront Chuck about this. Uh, the two get in a heated argument over HHM's treatment of Kim, and <clears throat> Jimmy dares Chuck to reinstate her in return for Jimmy's quitting uh, Davis and Maine. However, Chuck does not take the bait. He is confident that Jimmy will inevitably disgrace himself. Meanwhile, uh, we find out who Nacho wants Mike to kill. And it's Nacho's partner, Tuco Salamanca. And uh, this is because Nacho is terrified of Tuco finding out about his secret deals. And Tuco is a bit of a tweaker, prone to flying off the handle somewhat. Uh, oh, we know. Mike ultimately decides against doing the hit 
as he realizes that Tuco's death would draw the attention of the cartels. Instead, Mike sets up Tuco by calling the police in advance, accidentally crashing his car into Tuco's, goading him into a confrontation in which Tuco beats the shit out of Mike just in time for the police to arrive, and Tuco is arrested uh, and will likely be imprisoned for assault and robbery putting him out of the picture for a good five to ten years. Nacho asks Mike why he went through all the trouble to avoid killing Tuco uh, for only half of the payoff, but Mike refuses to answer him. Uh, what did you think of Gloves Off? Uh, I liked it. Uh, um, I mean, I don't think... I think I actually watched these episodes back-to-back, mm-hmm. <laughs> the ones we're going to talk about. So, for yeah. me, it was... Um, a lot of good setups in this episode that pay off later. So I yes. guess we kind of have the benefit of giving this episode more credit than I probably initially would. Mm-hmm. Um, because of all the setups in this, that there's a lot of payoffs the next episode. But the scene with Chuck and Jimmy, um, it's a little long. Um, it kind of felt like filler at times. Usually they're yeah. pretty good about like, they use their time wisely. This was kind of like on the Hannibal level where it's like, yeah, let's kind of waste some time. They, they weren't nearly as artsy about it, but mm-hmm. uh, it did feel like they were <laughs> trying to get to that minute time that they needed to have. But all in all, it was, it was a good scene. And, you know, it was, you got to see where they stood. And again, this scene has tremendous payout for the, the, the next episode we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. But it was just a good setup of seeing where they stand and just, you know, what Jilly, what Jimmy is always willing to compromise to either appease his brother or somebody else. You know, he he's not, yeah. you know, holding himself up to what the law is. He's holding up to his own moral code. Um, you know, wherever you are on that spectrum, you know, that's that's not for anyone else to decide besides Jimmy. And and that was just kind of nice to, to really finally see these two ideologies really clash. Um, you know, you pretty much realize that it's it's not Chuck that's doing it. And again, you know, to Jimmy's downfall, it's once again propping his brother up even more in this argument where he's trying to even bring his brother down. So yeah, uh, for me, this was the uh, this was an episode of, of great Mike moments. Oh, yeah, uh, totally. I liked, for some reason, I don't know why, but I really enjoyed the scene where he's hanging out with his, I guess, his gun dealer provider. <laughs> yeah. Uh, looking for the right, I just, it was like just this fascinating com- uh, conversation between these two guys about, uh, you know, what what's going to be best for him to kill this guy with. Um I, I really liked that conversation. It was just really interesting to me for some reason. You know what it is? It's, it's just Mike. Uh, he's just kind of captivating in that way. But the real the real stealer for all of this was uh, Mike playing the oblivious old man in the scene <laughs> setting up Tuco. Now, this man is amazing. We've talked about how amazing he is, how badass this old guy is. He is so incredible that his hitting of Tuco's car was so perfectly done that he just barely grazed at the front bumper with his front bumper of his car. Like, it wasn't like he just smashed into it. He barely grazed it. He bumped it slightly, and that was enough to piss off uh, Tuco. And, of course, Nacho was playing along with him this whole time, but he was just playing uh, 
he was just playing this oblivious old guy the whole time, biding his time, uh, feeding into Tuco, getting him more angry. And then Tuco was beating the shit out of him so bad. And then when the cops show up, Mike looks him right in the eye. His face is all swollen, <laughs> blood everywhere. And he just goes, is that the best you got? Holy shit, that was great. Like it, it, he, it, he, it, It's like he almost tipped his hand at the end that you were set up. Um, but he, it was, it was awesome. Uh, that, in, that in and of itself makes me want to give this eye score. You are correct though. If you watch these, I didn't watch them back to back. I watched them, you know, as they, uh, as they aired. Um, so I, I can see the artificial, uh, sweetening, I guess, because this had a lot of setups that paid off. And if you watch them really close to one another, it feels that happened with the walking dead this week with Aurora, where the first episode was, uh, a lot of setups to an episode that had a lot of payoffs. Um, and I think it may have artificially bumped the, uh, the score for the, the second episode, uh, because we watched them so closely together. But, uh, I think this was, I think this was really solid, but you're right. A lot of it was, no, it was, is a solid episode. And like, a lot of it was uh, building up for the next episode. Like the, uh, even the scene with Nacho and Mike, like breaking down how he's going to do it and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, and that was even a mini setup and payoff, you know, the scene you were talking about with him talking to the gun dealer. And he's just like, oh, not this time. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I'm good. But, you know, now, but, you know, it was just like when he talked to the vet that first time, he's networking. He's building mm-hmm. a network and relationships to either get jobs or, you know, know-hows of stuff. And those are little things that are set up well and paid off, especially in Breaking Bad, because what's the, like, Mike just seems to know everybody. He knows where to go, knows what to do. Mm-hmm. And these are just little sprinklings that kind of show you how Mike's inner workings go. Because even in Breaking Bad, when it first introduced, you just think, oh, he works for Gus. And then, or no, you think he works for Saul. Then you feel like, oh, he works for Gus. You're like, oh, no, he's just a gun for hire. You know, whoever needs him that day, that's who he goes to. Yeah. He may have more loyalty to one guy or the other, but um, at the same time, you know, he's he's just a gun hand. That's all he is. And it's, uh, <laughs> the more we get into this show, and I probably will when this season's over with, I really want to go back and watch Breaking Bad mm-hmm. and just start from, you know, what season two, whenever we start getting into Saul and, and then when we go into Gus and stuff, because it's just, uh, it's really making me appreciate breaking bad even more. Yep. Uh, you know, in retrospect and, you know, and Vince Gillian's very famous for, you know, he doesn't, he plans things out, but he's not one of those sticklers. That's like, uh, where this is how the show's going to end. You know, six years down the road, as they're writing it, things change. You know, just like Jesse was supposed to die in the first season and didn't, and all that kind of stuff. Sure. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So pull out the geeky glasses for Gloves Off. What do you give it? I'll give it a four. And, you know, and I may, and I've, you know, it, it was a solid episode. There's a lot of things I liked, but, um, you know, I probably would have said even three and a half, it, which, you know, it sounds like a bad rating. Mm-hmm. But to me, that's like, you know, average. You know, it's what the show, you know, good setup one. But knowing what happens uh, really just made me appreciate it more. Uh, yeah, you know, I had it like at three and a half or three and a quarter uh, originally. But the more I think about how great 
uh, the Mike Tuco stuff was at the end. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a good four episode. I mean, there wasn't a lot of it was, I, I hesitate to say filler because it feels like a disservice to say anything on this show is filler because as you, as you noted, they, they manage their time so well on this show. It yeah, doesn't most feel things like... are done deliberately it, and you may not know it until later on. Right. It doesn't feel like filler. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't want to say that, but the, a, a lot of this episode was setting up for uh, other stuff. I guess other shows that would be filler. Uh, this was, uh, I mean, and I guess if that's how you have to label it, it was the best I've ever watched in my life. Uh, <laughs> I guess if you have to say filler, but uh, yeah, and rarely do I ever give a filler episode four, uh, but this is totally a four. Uh, all right, so the next episode, season two, episode five, of Better Call Saul called Rebecca. What the hell happened to you? Like, I think I found something that could help get you out of there. I'm gonna make things right. That's a bribe. Prove you can go one week, hell, one day without breaking the rules of the New Mexico Bar Association. You don't save me. I save me. (laughs) Sorry, I know you. Short, just a couple of beans. There's a George Foreman grill down the back of your blue jeans. Uh, we get a flashback to uh, the past. Jimmy is visiting Chuck's house shortly after moving to Albuquerque, where he meets Chuck's wife, a character that have they mentioned her even before? I don't nope. recall a reference. So this is like the first. This was news to me. And. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. Never mind. Yeah, Chuck's <laughs> wife, Rebecca. And uh, Chuck is petrified for Rebecca to meet Jimmy uh, because Rebecca and Chuck feel very much like uh, upper class top hat and monocle type folk. And Jimmy is very down to earth, says what's on his mind sort of thing. Um, that being said, Jimmy and Rebecca hit it off. Jimmy is himself and is just running down a bunch of lawyer jokes. Um, and then his wife even tells one and she's like, they, her and Chuck go to bed that evening and she's like, well, that went well. Right. And he's like, uh, I guess. Thanks for putting up with him, honey. Yeah. Uh, she had a blast and he was embarrassed. Um, in the present, Jimmy meets with Kim and the, uh, in the uh, HHM document room and proposes that she sues her employers because he feels like they're punishing her unjust. I mean, I, she might have a case. They might be punishing her unjustly for this. It's not her fault about any of this shit, really. Um, Kim rejects the plan, though, pointing out that that would be career suicide. And, and tells, she's also right. She is also correct. Uh, and she tells Jimmy to worry about his own job while she worries about hers. Throughout the day, Jimmy is an accompany is accompanied by a fellow associate named Aaron, who is essentially uh, Cliff's babysitter for Jimmy. Yeah, and she has a bunch of notes about everything that Jimmy is doing wrong, uh, and things that he needs to do better, uh, including uh, taking a, a stop at the the local county courthouse where he tries to bribe the the woman at the office to get them a better hearing date with the judge and Aaron is like you can't do that uh so there's a there's a bunch of that going on <laughs> throughout the episode uh meanwhile Kim is trying to secure a new client to impress 
uh, Howard uh, enough to reinstate her to her old position. Uh, however, when she does find a new client, Howard decides to keep her on the document review. Dis- <laughs> what a dick. Despite, yeah, uh, we'll talk about it uh, in detail a little bit more. Uh, Chuck then meets with Kim and tells her a story about how years ago Jimmy had secretly embezzled money from their father's business, which led to its eventual collapse. Chuck then promises to try and get Kim reinstated. Uh, meanwhile, Mike is approached by Tuco's uncle, good old Hector Salamanca, sans wheelchair, uh, who asks Mike to claim Tuco's gun as his own in order to reduce Tuco's jail sentence and offers him $5,000 uh to do it uh your thoughts on this episode i i loved almost everything about this episode yep and to me the almost was the howard aspect Mm -hmm. because it felt like they retroactively like again i understand where howard's coming from like you know it's it's gonna take more than this to get you out of doghouse because you make you made me look like a buffoon with you know partners from another firm that kind of thing like yeah i get it but at the same time like i thought with a lot what happened at the end of season one was them doing a good job of of setting it up for howard to not necessarily always be you know he wasn't the bad guy a lot of it was chuck and i to me it's also good because it really shows what a partnership would be you know Sometimes Chuck's going to be the one that deals out the blows, and sometimes Howard's going to be the one. And this time, it's Howard's turn. You know, yeah. you're never always going to like your bosses, and, and not always your bosses are going to be, you know, on your side, or you're, you know, going to see eye to eye with them. But generally speaking, they do what they do for, you know, good reasons. And I understand, you know, Howard's reason is, you know, uh, Jimmy made him look like a fool. And then... Uh, I would say every scene Kim was in, I thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah, she was great this episode. <laughs> uh, she was great. Uh, her trying to run down, and then the scene with her and Chuck was so good. Yes. And it was, you know, again, that's uh, th- that scene was good because of Chuck, not her. Uh, but No, he was, he was, yeah, he was really great. Well, I mean, he weaved that story, right? Yeah, but see, that scene doesn't work without, you know, the setup that they do with her in this episode, like right. without it really focusing on her, like that final conversation she has with Chuck isn't as meaningful, you know, have what they have it at like what six o'clock in the morning. Probably she's been there almost 24 hours and, you know, and then Chuck's like, well, I'm going to talk to Howard about seeing if I can get you out of this. Mm-hmm. And then she thinks she's got a chance and then she doesn't No, And it was just like, Oh no. <laughs> They're really Kim, don't go down the same road as Jimmy, please, for the love of God. They're really You're better than this. <laughs> they're really muddying the waters too. Yeah, as to who is to really blame. It, it's it's getting to a point where it's like you know what, both Chuck and Jimmy are both to blame for uh, for all of this in in one in one form or another. Because yeah. Chuck talks about how Jimmy can't seem to help himself. Well, they're reacting uh, to each other. Yes, um, but at the same time, it's obvious that he's embarrassed of him. And he uh, he doesn't think very much of him. And then he shows up for, you know, uh, you know, uh, gosh, honey, I hope you can put up with my brother or whatever. And then he charms the uh, doesn't literally charm the pants off of his wife, but uh, figuratively does. And that pisses him off. Mm -hmm. Uh, She likes this guy. I'm embarrassed of this guy. 
you know, and so they you're right, they play off of one another. He tries to make something better of his life and Chuck doesn't uh Chuck looks down on him for it or doesn't think he or doesn't think he can do it or uh so the, yeah, they're totally playing off of one another and they're making it worth yeah, I'm uh it's an awesome dynamic. Uh mm-hmm. I'm I'm super excited to see more. Uh how was it uh, seeing uh, Hector? Hector? Oh, man, it was just so... That was great. And I'm seeing, like, oh, who's this going to be? And I'm just going through the Rolodex in my mind. Yeah, I thought... I was like... I was like, could it could it be Gus? But it's like, that seems a little too yeah. early. Like, I feel like that's something they would save a little bit and not mm-hmm. for something like like this. I think they picked uh, the, the perfect re- return appearance for somebody. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, that's his nephew. I mean, like, yeah. I, I don't know why he wasn't the first name that came up. Yeah. But I think it was just so much like, oh, my gosh, they're really going to bring Gus in. And then it was, and then you just see Hector, and it's like, that makes of yeah. course he is. I was excited. Of course and it's the, yeah. piece of shit uncle. And it, made, and it made perfect sense. And I like that scene when he's talking with Mike or whatever, and, uh, you know, he's like, he, you know, he doesn't he doesn't respect his elders uh, like he's really trying to sweet talk yeah. him. He knows Mike's a former cop, uh, you know that sort of thing. It's like you know they'll they'll you know they'll side with you on this if you tell them it was your gun. You got in a scuffle. It just you know he picked it up. That's how his fingerprints ended up on it. But it was your gun, so uh, that was a, that was a great scene as well. I don't know if Mike's going to take that for a measly five thousand dollars. I know he'll do whatever he can to get money for his his granddaughter, but. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's, I feel like if if he did it for five, that's a little drastic. And that you know, again, that may be one of the reasons why his prices are so steep in Breaking Bad. Yeah, that's a low because, ball. What a low ball offer that is five thousand dollars to to risk going to the police and saying that the gun was his. Yeah. Uh, that's a yeah. That's a low ball. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens next week. Um, yeah, this was a great episode. Uh, I, I loved it. You know, what? Uh, I, I asked the question before, what does Rebecca have to do, uh, with this episode so much that it's worth the title? And I answered my own question when talking about it because everything it, you're right, yeah, it ties into how Chuck feels about Jimmy. Yeah. Uh, and he's not, he's not always wrong, but sometimes he's right because of what he's done. Uh, like a self-fulfilling prophecy. He talks about, uh, you know how shitty Jimmy can be sometimes, but some of that reason is is Chuck has an onus to some of that as well. Yeah. Um, all right, the geeky glasses, sir. For this episode, what would you give Rebecca? Dare I say five? No. Dare I will. I, I will. It is a, as strong as a four and a half could be. I give it, it a just, four and a half as well. Yeah. yeah. It, it it could have been five. It was tearing there. It just it needed one more punch. It needed some squat gobbling. <laughs> yeah, it needed some Boston cream splat uh, for sure. Uh, look, if this show goes on for a few more seasons, we just may change the name of the podcast to Boston cream and splat uh, <laughs> or uh, Simple Simon the Ass Man. Uh, I don't know. That's a weird podcast name, but uh, I don't care. God, that's a they're going to have a tough time beating that scene. Uh, they really are. Uh, and if it was and if a lot of it was uh, Odenkirk uh, improv, then. You know, I don't know how much more of that we're going to get. So, uh, yeah, it was a it was a very good episode. It wasn't quite uh, five geeky glasses. Uh, all right, Glenn, uh, that's it for this week. We're going to come back next week as I attempt to uh, bust out my pronunciation of Hawaiian words 
for season two, episode six of Better Call Saul. Uh, probably incorrectly pronounced Bali Hai Ei. Bali Hai Hai. Bali Hai. Next week. Better call Saul. You best call now, you hear?